0: I would love to see women um, leading really well in their own communities, and I would love to see them more courageous. Mm -hmm. I would love to see them using their voice as well, Um, less afraid. Welcome
1: to the Outseat Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McRoberts. In the fall of 2018, I got to spend a few weeks on the road with Jen Hatmaker and Nicole Nordeman on their Moxie Matters tour. For 15 nights, I got to play songs and then watch rooms full of women and a few men, find a kind of home in the space Jen and Nicole provided as artists and storytellers. Between stops in Texas, I sat down with Jen Hatmaker to talk about the origin of that tour and where she saw her work heading... We pick up the conversation in the middle of a chat about what it looks like, what it feels like to start a brand new book. Check it out.
0: I have just learned, do not fret in the first third. Do you legitimately fret though? You actually, do get Yes, I fret. I fret. Do you have that
1: that Radiohead moment where you're like, oh shit, we did... It's all gone. The magic's gone. We we did OK Computer... Nothing else from here will ever matter again.
0: Nothing. I, it's all doomed and ruined. I have. I don't know anything else. I'm screwed. This is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. It happens every time, and I have to like almost write myself a note, like to myself from another time period. Like, you don't panic. You've been here before. Oh, that's good. You remember how this feels in the last book and the one before.
1: Yeah. Okay. You're, you're writing it. You're writing uh, the Nicole Nordeman song to yourself from the future moment.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dear me dear me it's gonna be okay just get to the middle point
1: that's really good uh you're not that far from home right now
0: right we are in where are we fort worth i'm three hours from home and texas mm-hmm.
1: is home home
0: well gosh let's see we've lived here for 20 years so my kids are all raised here so in this in my in my family sense, yes, I lived kind of all over the place growing up. This is the longest I've ever lived anywhere by a thousand percent. Why did my you move around so much? Let's see. Um, when I was born, my dad was a farmer, and then he went to seminary, and oh, wow. then he started his sort of ministry path. And so I was the oldest child, so I was sort of the guinea pig kid that went along with the various stages of young adulthood for my parents oh wow yeah so by the time they finally settled in like my brother who's 10 years younger than me was essentially born and raised in the same city his whole life but i was in there i was in there meandering wondering what am i doing with my life years so what does it mean
1: for you in terms of having like a place that you call home does 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 geography for you Is there a a correlation between
0: home and geography? Yes. Um, Brandon, my husband, thinks this is funny because I have a probably a disproportionate. What's the word? almost like a pride that we have lived in one place for so long. So you can, you're a Texan. I'm a Texan. And I think I'm really, really pleased that my kids are, hmm. that they that they have a real deep sense of home. It's literally all they know. I, in fact, I told Brandon, we, just like my parents did, he and I moved around quite a bit when we were young adults, like out of college and our first couple of jobs before we found our stride. And I remember after like our third move in, I don't even know what, seven years or whatever and I mean move city moves I remember telling him if you die I have no idea where to bury you. Like, I literally don't know where to put you in the ground. What a great conversation right. to have. Right. He's like, this is, here's this is what I'm you're thinking, thinking about. Yes. Yes. Like,
1: exactly. so, like, so here's what's going on. I don't know where any of the kitchenware is. Also,
0: by the way, here's another consideration. I'm going to have to cremate you and just cart your ashes around until I have some sense of permanence. Um, Which would be a great so, book, by the uh, way. Obviously. <laughs> so, yeah, like for me, I have something. Something is really um, meaningful to me about home and roots.
1: Yeah. And you get to ch- you in a sense. You get to choose it on other people's behalf as well. Because part of what you what part of what I hear you saying is like my kids get to be here. Yeah, I get to provide a home for my kids. So you're you're outside of Austin ish, right? So, so that place for you is a place where you get to choose and make home yep. for someone else, which becomes home for you in a different way. It's not just like you happen to be born totally. somewhere and you kind of end up living there. Right? We
0: created it, and so now we have. 20 years of shared memories there and 20 years of relationships there and so everything is so rooted right right um and for me it's been really really stabilizing and it's interesting because i'm married to a person who loves change like if i were to drive home right this minute and be home in three hours and say brandon i feel like i want to move to washington state he'd be like call the realtor like he just loves <laughs> he's ready to go. Oh, at all times he's absolutely ready to just yard sale everything and move That's to great. Paris um, so uh, I think I'm probably the the singular factor keeping us really heavily grounded um, but it, you know to counterbalance out, we travel I'm yeah. Like, or and I give him. I'm like, these are categories in which you can constantly change things, and you will not absolutely freak me out.
1: Is there a way for you? I mean, besides having been in the same place for twenty years and having chosen it, is there a way for you that being a Texan, that being in Texas, has been soul shaping? Are like, the things that you could identify as like this is this yeah. is true of me that would not have been had I chosen Kansas?
0: positively. In fact, I was born in Kansas. Um and I think that it would be absolutely false to say it hadn't. But if we were going to dial it in a little bit, maybe even more specific, yeah. what has shaped me just irrevocably has been living in Austin. So, there's Texas and yes. then there's Austin. True story. And they're not necessarily the same. <laughs> Does this make sense? Oh yeah. So,
1: ha- that- but for folks who have no idea who just see, who are like you know who are tonight watching election results? You're yeah. like, "Oh God, Texas!" Right?
0: And you're like, right. well, yes, yes,
1: but Austin." <laughs> I help, help us with the "yes, but Austin" part. Uh,
0: I love all my Texan neighbors, and there's something so um, just hilariously unique about Texas. You know, we Texas loves itself. Oh yeah, um, Austin. Is madly in love with itself. So, um, you know Austin, just in general, and this is a little bit of a broad brush stroke. I know that, but um, it's just a, it's a, it's sort of a hippy dippy city. It's progressive. It is. um, It's a little bit more liberal. It's super super creative. You know, we've got all the creatives. We have the government. We have the university. We have high tech. Right. So it's this interesting. Conflation of a lot of ideas and types of people and um, everything that I probably held dear at some point has been deeply challenged in hmm. my tenure at Austin.
1: And you've, you've valued that and you feel like in terms of soul shaping, like being in a place that's going to push and pull where something about, for you, something about being home, having a location doesn't necessarily mean being comfortable.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably true. And I'm, I'm grateful for all the ways in which my city and my neighbors have stretched me. Yeah. I I didn't always love it. I mean, that's, change can be painful. Yes. Uh, stretching is not always comfortable, but I'm so much better for it. And I, I think I've really learned a lot, not just about the world, but it just I think a little bit more about what I think God's kingdom is meant for. Yes. And, what being a good neighbor actually means in practice, and um, my worldview's just been challenged, and so uh, that's just a good thing. I like that for yeah. everybody.
1: Yeah, there are ways in which uh, we watch, and I do myself the the sort of the exchange. It's like a trade off between. Uh, what I want is home. Mm-hmm. I, what I want is a sense of home. What I settle for is comfort. Mm-hmm. Like what I end up, what I end up settling for when I don't go all the way to home mm. is feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. But comfortable, like it, anytime anyone honestly has a sense of home and place and location, mm-hmm. there's always tension there. For I mean, sure. Like whether it's home in a relationship or home geographically, mm-hmm. like it's almost like there's a distinctive about the difference between home and anything else is like. You, like, you have to be challenged and changed in order to actually call it home, as yeah, opposed to I just feeling great. like I fully fit here. Everything here belongs in the, you know, yeah. like I, I fit into like a hand in glove. I, I can be exactly as I am for the rest of my life.
0: Right. I know what you mean. I mean, I, I lived in plenty of places and spaces that were largely homogenous. Yeah. And so uh, it was easy. Yep. I mean, it is definitely easier. Um, however, I just remain so unchallenged and so untested and my worldview so small and narrow and I swear I thought that was the whole world I did I I thought the world I lived in was essentially indicative of the greater world and so which is good for a time maybe I mean that was in my in my younger years definitely growing up and even in my 20s um it, it, it was comfortable, I guess. Yeah. And at the time, I was neck deep raising babies, and so maybe I could only handle one thing at a time. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, I'm that, Austin is not that place for sure.
1: Mess and Moxie yeah. is your what book? Uh,
0: do you know, I'm honestly, I, 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 what I think it is, is my 11th.
1: That's what I, so I couldn't uh-huh. tell if it was 11 or 12.
0: Yeah, I, there's a, like a kind of a rogue book in there. I don't know if it counts as a book. And so I'm just going to say it's 11. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's too many.
1: Okay. Uh, and this, this has been, like writing has been like your primary... Uh, when people like, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, because okay. we'll talk about like, what is it you really are doing? Like, what are you really right, about? Like, what's your deal? Uh, one way to talk about what you do, which I think is smaller now than it used to be, uh, is that you're an author.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you remember as an author, was there a point at which you have a recollection of a time in which you, you recognize that what you did as an author mattered? Mm-hmm. Cause it's a difference between like, I can write
0: mm-hmm. versus
1: like, what I do is significant culturally to other people. Was there a moment for you where you you recognized that what you were doing with books mattered to people who weren't you?
0: I think that was probably a little bit of a slower burn Hmm. than just the lights flicking on at some point, going, oh my gosh, this is a thing. Um, I will say probably what really deepened my sense of influence, if that's kind of the word we're using to describe that, was for better or for worse, social media. Yeah. That's really when I felt like uh, a sense of connection with my readers. I mean, honestly, mm. before then, what the heck? How did, I don't yeah. know. I, I write a book. I turn it in. I apparently it gets read somewhere. I don't know. You know, we <laughs> right. weren't connected. We weren't online together. I wrote my first book in two thousand and four, mm-hmm. and so it was just the genesis of all this, yeah. uh, where we just were. All this was new to the whole community <clears throat> at large, and so um, I, I think with the advent of social media, and then it's just development as I figured out, you know, how do we find each other, and how do I manage this well? I, I mean, I think I did that super poorly Hmm. for a while. Why? What does that mean? Like, sort of to circle back to your question, when you're like, when did you know that people are listening to you? I kind of didn't know they were.
1: Oh, so really? I'm just on
0: social media, just running my mouth, you know, and <laughs> just saying whatever I'm saying. I mean, I have to filter, right? I am a yeah. loose cannon sometimes, and so well, um, I, I just did not have a sense of how many people were on the other end of those words. Oh,
1: okay. Um, and so, so you more came to grips with that, like you reckon you you were hearing feedback, yes, and then you realized, oh, snap. Totally, what I say matters. Like moves the needle for people. That's just
0: work. it. And so, because I had so tied it to some sort of traditional model of my words that are written in print, those are the words that matter, right? Those are the those are the professional words. Oh, very. Good. Those are the credible words. Somehow, yeah. an industry has stamped those words and said <laughs> these these count. So my social media words just felt like throwaways. Like oh, I don't even know who's on here. You know, I don't. I don't even know who I have. I don't know what's happening. Um, and so, once I realized that. Um, my influence was leveraged much more powerfully on social media than by a print book at Barnes & Noble. Um, That, through a a series of a lot of bad form and regret (laughs) and mistakes and I'm sorry's and I didn't really mean that. I mean, I did, but I shouldn't have said it. Um, I, 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 I grew up a little bit.
1: It's incorrect. like that moment. It, I, don't, I don't know if you we watched, you saw the movie uh, Social Media, or wait, the Social Network,
0: I don't think about I saw
1: about that. the launch of Facebook. Oh, yeah. And he runs into, Zuckerberg runs into his ex at the bar, kind of somewhere in the middle of the movie, and oh, yeah. she says, the internet's written in ink, Mark. <laughs>
0: Yes. Where he like,
1: he, he yes. was just is Zuckerberg, and he's just posting stuff. It's a great example. Just rambling, totally. just some shit off the top of totally. his head. And she's like, that lasts forever. Oh my gosh, yes. And, you Relatable. Know, for, right. That was Relatable. like that moment. Do you feel, in, in that context, which is part of the next question, Like, do, do you feel then like a kind of responsibility to people? as a writer, speaker, like, do you have a sense of, do you you feel a responsibility
0: to people? Oh, a grave responsibility. I mean, I I don't even think I can overstate this. Oh, really? Yeah, I, um, if anything has become clear to me in the last, let's just say, eight or ten years, um, it is that this I have a fair amount of influence I mean in the greater scheme of things it's a drop in the bucket but it's what I have mm-hmm. and um, and it it matters and there are people on the other end of everything I say who are, just pick a thing. I mean, they're hurting, they're suffering, they're confused, they're looking Mm. for clarity, they're looking for teaching, Mm -hmm. Um, they are needing a conversation, they um, need healing, they have a drink. I mean, there's so much real life um, in which words matter. They're not throwaway. No. Um, And so, yeah, no, my sense of responsibility is absolutely massive. I, I cannot tell you how much like brain space is taken up with my thinking of the people. Yeah. And who is reading and who is out there and what am I hearing from them and what are they asking me? And what are what am my- I picking up in the atmosphere in our community and so yeah i think about leadership all the time
1: which then i, I don't know if that provides attention for you but i don't know for for some folks who consider themselves creative or work in the creative arts like there is this um this weird mytho- mythology with regards to art mm-hmm. that what you do is you create
0: mm-hmm.
1: you just make something you write what's in you mm-hmm. and then you put it out and it doesn't matter what other people mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. And then other people just kind of get to respond to that. Mm-hmm. You're communicating something else that even like right now you're in the writing process. Mm-hmm. You've got people in your head. Mm-hmm. Like you're thinking about other people, right. even as you right now. Right. So a couple of questions. One is that, do you receive that as a positive? Is that like a refining? Is that, or do, do you, yeah. Is that kind of refining? Mm-hmm. Like that you have other people, you're thinking about others in your mind. And then, is that specific? Like when you're writing, are you thinking about particular people? How does that work for you?
0: Yeah, I think it's a little bit. Uh, for me, it's a little bit less binary than that. Which okay, is go. either I'm writing entirely my truth or whatever the thing is, and I just devil be damned, yeah, just let the shit follow where it may. Yeah, or I'm writing for a person and I'm aiming for a message for them. I, I'm I'm both those things. There, there's a okay, time. Yeah. Some there is a time specifically. I think is it. Relates very deeply to my own personal story, my Mm. own personal life, my own personal experience where um, feeling hamstrung to make that more palatable for a listener Mm. is detrimental. Yes. You know, I mean, I.
1: You're pulling punches to save people from things.
0: To save face, to save myself, to save them, to make it easier, to make it less uncomfortable. Uh, to, To some degree, what we've experienced just needs to be told plain. Yes. And so um, there are times that I am writing um, just w- what would be considered deeply true to myself, right. not necessarily with an end game in mind, other than just saying, here's what it is, do with it what you will. Yes. There's a lot of other times, like for example... I'm writing right now, like you mentioned, and I do the majority of my writing in my office. And uh, there's a wall right next to my desk, and I put sticky notes. I wish I'll send you a picture of it. I put sticky notes all over my wall right here, and they're just little reminders of things that the people I'm writing for care about. Hmm. Like this is a this is their question. Um, they feel like I've got one sticky note that says something like, "And I I pull this out of things people say to me. I feel like a spiritual orphan." You know, I don't know where my home is in this new world of evangelical, you know, influence. I don't. Um, I've got stuff that just says I. I feel like a deep failure ninety percent of the time. So these help me. These
1: are things that the folks Other have people are passed along to you. Yes, they're saying to you specifically.
0: To me, these are so
1: that they yep. they can inform yes. you.
0: So I remember these are people. Yeah. You know, I'm not writing for ratings. I'm not writing for book sales I'm not writing for the New York Times list you're writing for them I'm, yeah I'm writing for people mm. and and they come to me with specific um, I'm a certain kind of leader I mean, I'm not a leader for everybody mm-hmm. and I'm not able to lead in every capacity I mean there are I have learned at this point in my 40s that there are times that I go guys I have no idea like wow. I'm out of my depth I don't I do not understand this issue. I'm not informed on it. I'm not a leader in it. I'm a learner in it. Mm. So I have learned to muzzle myself instead of always considering myself an expert in every subject matter. But my sticky notes tell me these are your readers. Yeah. These are your readers. Like serve them. Serve them well.
1: There's a, there's, I mean, obviously there's a wisdom in recognizing like one's limitation. There's also like, there's a way in which <clears throat> like recognizing, um, who we're reaching or who we're touching base with, like recognizing that there are specific people or like a tribe of people becomes a way to like actually love. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm trying to be too much. Yeah. Yeah like, I can't love that broadly, which is sort of, it's, it's, it's the thing that fundamentalism does to silence people. It's like, Mm. you can't be everything to everyone. So it, it's not enough for you to be who you are to those Mm, specific people. Like, like the tour you're doing now is not for everyone. Right. And part of what fundamentalism would say is like, there's not enough Bible. There's not Mm. enough this. Mm -hmm. There's too much this. This doesn't meet all of the requirements for like big, big T capital truth Mm. and so because it doesn't then it doesn't you know then we get to say that it's whatever but there's a comfort there's like a a good loving wise comfort in saying like I know what I'm for I know what this is for right and allows you to sort of fully invest there
0: it's true it's true and I find myself often for whatever reason because I think well I mean it's not that much of a mystery actually because I was sort of (laughs) founded, birthed, and developed in what would be probably considered traditional evangelical spaces. Yeah. Not just as a human being, but Mm -hmm. as a career person, as a ministry person. Yeah. So that was where I, that's where I got my wings. And so sort of my spiritual migration... Um, the questions that I now ask, the things that I have shifted on, mm-hmm. um, what I, my sense of, of neighbor and kingdom and Jesus and world is taken on a, a pretty massive transformation. Yeah. Um, because of that, so I still speak this first language. That's my. That's my yeah. native tongue. Um. and I still have a lot of people from here and people that I love. Yeah. I find myself between things yeah. a lot. As a bit of a person who holds some tension, I don't love it. And I've said before, I envy my friends who have been able to just funnel all the way to the end of the road yeah. into their niche community. I envy the ease of it and even just the, um, the lack of tension in that space hmm. as it is. I end up shouldering a lot of tension. Yeah, Um, which I'm not convinced is a bad thing it's just a harder thing
1: and I wonder honestly I I do wonder if that's like more so and I don't know this for sure this is not a conclusion I really do wonder though if part of actually becoming mature Mm -hmm. as a person is actually settling into that tension Mm -hmm. and if it's actually and maybe there are folks who like like you said, they sort of funnel all the way down mm-hmm. and it's over I don't I I have this suspicion, and some of this is like Thomas Merton in my head talking mm-hmm. about living in realities in which you're holding both things and mm-hmm. I wonder if that's actually maturity. Is that you're mm-hmm. always who you are and you who you're becoming mm-hmm. and that as a public figure if you're going to be a public figure, you have to do that for other people mm-hmm. that like your culture is what it is now was what it was and is becoming. Yeah. And you have to live in the tension of all of those things at the same time where you don't actually get to yeah. just be right. Like maturity not an arrival point kind Dang of a thing. I, so, I, I
0: hope that's not true. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're completely wrong. I don't think I am. But you know what? I don't think you are either. And I find that position increasingly challenging. I yes. mean, if once upon a time that was noble and we really respected our leaders who were able to mm. pull up several chairs to the table, I find that shrinking. Yeah. And and anymore, if you are not all the way this, all the time, all with those people, whatever that is, fill in the blank, mm-hmm. you, um, it, you make nobody happy. Um, and so everyone's mad. Yeah. Uh, so I don't I, I think there's a place for it. I, I sense that there are more people who crave leadership that feels reasonable and yeah, uh, but it was just not the loudest crew, you know?
1: Yeah, no, it's not. What I would like to do Is we, we've We've touched on a few Key keywords. One of the things we do We do And by we I mean me sure. The royal we One of the things I do With the podcast every time Is it's this practice Of lexicon That there's That uh, words mm. Words are living and uh, as Jonathan Merritt gets into in his book, yeah. the, the, that the dictionary isn't so much a collection of, uh, of words as they're defined in the cosmos, as they are like this sort of revelation of this is the way the word is used, mm. that like the a word is defined by its use over time. Sure. So words in your life, I take on a particular shape mm-hmm. and a part of what you end up doing is helping others redefine the way I understand certain words. So what I want to do in the next couple minutes is mm-hmm. I'm going to just, I'm going to put a word on the table and you can either tell a story about it. You can redefine it. Just whatever pops in your mind as I put the word on the table, you're just going to vamp right. on that word for a few months. So there's no, this is literally one of those, like, there's no wrong answer. Okay. Here. This is just like, this is how this word is shaped in Jen community
0: Hmm. talk
1: about community Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that word has taken on quite a development in my life for sure Hmm. Um, my sense of community right now in a way that it wasn't necessarily for years is that if my community is only only includes people that are essentially like-minded, more or less look like me, more or less think like me, more or less live like me, and by me. Um, not only am I missing out, but my leadership is tainted. And so my sense of mm. community right now is very broad. And I feel communally responsible, um, f- specifically for brothers and sisters who are very different from me. Um, mm. in race, in ethnicity in socioeconomic status, um, in mm. nationality, um, in, in position and power. So um, I just I think that if we are not willing to look around us and seek true community um, and in the eyes of people who are deeply unlike us and and even without our advantages, then we don't even know the meaning of the word. Mm.
1: Talk about religion
0: mm. has a negative connotation for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how other people feel about the word. I mean, probably once upon a time that word had a lot of beauty, but for me, it holds a lot of um, disappointment. Hmm. And so uh, whether I'm right or wrong, I'm not sure. But to me, religion is this container word for dogma hmm. and hierarchy um, patriarchy to me it feels like uh, white. I don't know why I've attached that to it, mm-hmm. um, and it is very very punitive. Mm. And so you've got to play by its rules, <laughs> or you do not get invited back. Mm. And so I don't like the word, and I, I I I'm not even sure Jesus would have liked the word. But you know, there I am projecting myself onto Jesus. That's all right. He's okay. like I do. He's
1: okay with that. Yeah. Uh, talk about womanhood.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: what is womanhood
0: well when I hear it I think about my daughter I've got an 18 year old daughter and she's a freshman in college and I was looking at her Instagram today she is phone banking in Washington DC where she's going to school here on election night And I was just looking at her Instagram and and she's posted up on her stories this map of the United States. And she's like, there are no female governors on this map. Um, Let's change it. And I'm just thinking, you know, what a fun time for her to be growing up as a woman. Mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, That (laughs) if maybe 20 years ago, womanhood would have been complicated. And 20 years before that, it would have been even disparaged. Feel like now it the word to me feels full of life and possibility and power and diversity. Like, womanhood doesn't look today like it looked 50 years ago. I mean, there is it might have been a little bit more of a one note idea back then. Today, sky's the limit. I mean, her and her generation are so wonderfully radiant and interesting and all over the place. So, to me, I, I love the idea of womanhood, especially what it's becoming and yeah. what's what the next generation is going to bring to it.
1: Talk about masculinity.
0: Hmm. Well, that's another loaded word. (laughs) Very loaded word. Yes. With, I mean, if we're going to go back and say womanhood looked like a certain way 50 years ago, so did masculinity. Mm -hmm. Very prescribed, um, idea, uh, where, um, some of these patriarchal elements were rewarded. Mm. Um, and, but, you know, I would also want to say this about masculinity. I, in my real life, there's, there's theoretical life that we talk about on social media or that we see in the news, but in my real life, the life, the life that I live with my ministry partners, with my church people, with my parents, with my husband, the men in my life are, outstanding at masculinity i think it's something they steward incredibly well and thoughtfully it is they're generous with their masculinity they are Hmm. um they share the mic they share the stage they share the boardroom Um, so i am surrounded by men whose masculinity does not who for whom my womanhood does not threaten their masculinity Um, but rather it's a wonderful partnership and Hmm. so um, again i feel it's an embarrassment of riches When it comes to the men in my life. That's good. Yeah. I'd love to see more of that. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You've used the word leader Mm -hmm. a a few times. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in conversations previously, uh, the word comes up a lot for you. Mm -hmm. I kind of want you to talk about leadership. I'm sort of, there's a little tension here for me. I I, kind of want you to talk about leadership as a general concept, but instead, I think what I'm settling on is this. Like I said earlier, like it's easy to just call you an author, Mm -hmm. but there's clearly more to you, not even just that. I mean, identity wise, like it gets pared down. It's like you're a child of the living God and all this big stuff. But like vocationally, in terms of what you're doing and how we would identify what Jen Hatmaker is up to, um, you're, you talk about leadership a lot. Mm -hmm. Is that the term for you? Is mm-hmm. that the thing that like that wraps in? You've developed a tour. You've written books. Mm-hmm. You're conference speaking. You are. Uh, you run a podcast. Mm-hmm. There's. There, you have all of these things that are kind of front facing. Is there a theme? Is there? Is there a, like a vocational title that holds together what you do? Mm-hmm. Is it leadership? Are you? Are you? Are you leading? Are you? you know other folks just think are you pastoring are mm-hmm. you like what are you what are you doing
0: that's a really great question what are you doing i i often struggle with how to pare this down yeah with, to the to the very innocent and question what what do you do i'm like oh god right i don't what can i pick um because this this has developed for me right. so a decade ago i would have said i was a writer for sure that it just I'd have summed it right up like that put a bow on it and then I have these little threads that come out of it but now I feel like my work is so much broader yes and and it is so books are literally just one layer and there's so much more so I feel like at this point if I just had to if I didn't have to pick a word that was familiar and easy to explain but rather, what do you do? I feel like I am leading. <laughs> I I yeah. I sense right now that um I've got the capacity for it mm-hmm. and I have influenced a steward and that looks it comes out in a lot of places. It comes out in books, it comes out on my podcast, it comes out on all these long form pieces. Like, let's say two years ago, um I was interviewed in New York City for like Time Magazine, Time, right? And I remember talking to my publicist, going, and I asked her something like, "Why? Like, why are, <laughs> why, are why are, why are they interviewing me? What do they know me? Like, did they look me up?" Uh, flummoxed, honestly, like flummoxed by their interest in some Texas kind of Christian writer, you know? Yeah. And she was like. Are you like that unself-aware that you don't understand what other people are seeing in your space um, and, and your leadership capacity and that you move the needle forward yeah. when you speak words into the world, be they print, spoken, social media, whatever the thing is. And so um, something about that conversation just shook me like, hello, what am I doing? I need to take this seriously as it is. I, I think I just caught up to my own life. Like, yep. oh, this is not—we're not joking around here. Um, and sort of so, in the way
1: it took place with like recognizing your place as an author in, in relationship to the people in in social yeah. media. Yes, we're like
0: constantly surprised.
1: Like, oh wow, this is what's actually happening around.
0: I now. am the last one to show up to my own party at, at every turn. <laughs> I'm like, well, as
1: long as it's a good party. I mean, okay. I'm
0: serious. Just looking around, like. This, are you listening to me? Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm just. I didn't set out to do any of this. I think that's part of it. I didn't have ambitions for it, um, and so I am regularly surprised by mm. the the capacity, at, uh, really just the volume of of mm. um, of people and and influence that I'm having to steward. And so um, that's why I told you earlier. You know, you asked me, do you feel responsible for people? I'm like, gravely. I mean, I, I'm still surprised they're all here. I'm, yeah. I can't believe they're listening. Um, and so, yeah, I feel heavily responsible. So in general, if I were on my better days, I would say that I'd like to think of myself and I want to kind of untangle this word from some of its tentacles. But I'd like to think of myself as a pastor. Hmm. Um, and not in just the way that you're thinking of it, but I'm thinking I, I want to pastor all these people. I want to lead them well. I want to, yeah. I want to inspire them toward goodness and wholeness and um, community. And I want to steward souls and ideas and gifts. And so I. When I am not just ready to put the whole thing in the dumpster and set it on fire, I like to think of myself as a pastor.
1: Kind of wrap it up with more? Yeah. Insofar as you're you are leading and pastoring. And while there wasn't necessarily like, here's all the stuff I was trying to do now, I'm doing all the things I was trying to do. There is definitely more self awareness now. Yeah. Um quick answer. Do you think about the future? Do you think about your future?
0: I wouldn't say that I think about it very far. Um simply because I couldn't have even I wouldn't have picked out all the things I was doing this year, two years ago. I just don't know. I don't know what's happening.
1: Well, can we play an imaginative game then? Sure. If you do well. Yeah. Um and you get to decide some Mm -hmm. of what the world around you looks like. Yeah. By your influence, under your influence. If you get to shape the culture the culture that you have access to, if you get to shape things. What does it look like 10, 15 years
0: mm.
1: from now, 10, 15 years down the line from now, mm-hmm. if you do well at what you do, you remain healthy the way you're running healthy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How will the world have changed?
0: Mm, that's a great question. Um, I, I would love if my influence plays out like I hope it does. Yeah. Like if I just say, if I can continue to inject this into my community, what? will it look like in 10 years? I hope that it looks like... Um, it's, lo- it's mostly women. Women are my the majority of my community. So I love to see women um, leading really well in their own communities. And I would love to see them more courageous. Hmm. I would love to see them using their voice as well. Um, less afraid. Uh, a fear is just a... It is, it's quicksand yes. in the community of women mm-hmm. and it comes from a lot of different a lot of it's legit I mean they're, this is the air we're breathing and women are intimidating and um, they're dawning understanding of their own capacity and power and influence and voice threatens the status quo yes so there's just it's true that there's a lot of opposition to it that's that's real yeah. I yeah. mean I
1: whereas I, like as a side note the, the pushback in like entrepreneurism and, and, and leadership when it comes to like male leadership is yeah. like ignore your fears just move through yeah whereas in the world of women it's like yeah here's the thing yeah like all these things have real roots in real things that it happen does. to women
0: it does at home it's, it's and real. in
1: the career you know in the career place and on the street right so we don't get to just say oh ignore our fears
0: right it's real that is that is stuff women have to move through in a lot of layers. Um, and so I'd like to see, uh, this word is completely overused, but I'd like to see some empowerment there. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I still feel like a lot of times in my community of women, I mean, I certainly steward a lot of strength. I, I got some alphas in yeah. my group, and I love them. But I, I'm also stewarding this enormous groundswell of women who are like... I'm not ready, you know, and I think this, but I'm afraid to say this. I want this, but I'm afraid to go after it. I'm dreaming this, but I'm afraid to try to execute it. Um, So I'd love to see a reversal of fortunes there that Mm -hmm. in 10 to 15 years, some of the things that we're talking about now about um, how to battle fear, how to be more courageous, how to be more sincere and genuine and truthful. I I hope that's a confusing message in 15 years that they're like, why are you telling, we are already doing that. You know, we don't, we don't need that kind of leadership anymore. We, so I, I, I'm hoping to not be leading like this in 15 years to see it through, Hmm. um, to see it through to its hopeful ending. Um, in fact, when I, um, I put on social media probably six months ago, something of a very rough outline of the book I'm writing right now. Right. And it, I don't even know how to talk about it yet. It's so early where if I try to explain it, it'll take 27 minutes, but (laughs) If I had to sum it up, it's essentially walking women through these 15 things to say, let's work through this concept of like who you are and how you're created, what your deal is, what's true about you and get to the end of it and be able to say something true. Mm. Like,
1: like actionably true. Actually something true. Like, like
0: this is true about me. Mm. You may not like it. It might make you uncomfortable. But this is how. Not I- potentially
1: true. Not like yeah. I'd like this to be true. Right. Just this is
0: Identity true. heavily in hand, convictions in hand, um, dreams and wishes in hand. Yeah. Um, uh, just this very um, self-assured space. Mm-hmm. So but when I put this on Facebook, I'm like, guys, this is... And I pulled all this out. I mined it out of social media for a year. So I went through every conversation that I led and stewarded and hosted and found these are our threats these are the places where we want my community wants leadership mm. my community is looking for courage uh, instruction scripts even give me some language around this and i said guys this is what you have said that you want for me and there was one comment that i i loved to hang, hang on to it because this woman was like i don't get this like i already do all this i'm i know how i was made i know what i was made. i i have my like My idea is in hand and I I don't understand. I'm like, you're my goal. And I told her that. Mm. I'm like, you are my goal. What I would love. And then there was surrounded by 1,000 other comments saying, oh, please, please talk about all this stuff. So I said, I want you to see your community of women needs instruction here, but I want them to see this is where we want to get where this is like. Who needs to talk about this? Yeah. We got this. Um, so anyhow, I'd love to see that. I, I don't. I hope I don't even know what to lead in fifteen years. <laughs> that, that we have a healthy community of women yeah. who are contributing to the world and making it more beautiful and kind and yeah. creative and generous. And they're raising their kids in strength and they're battling all the isms that just plague us, just absolutely plague us—the sexism and misogyny and racism, all of it. Um, so that's my goal. That's good. Yeah
1: there's that element of <clears throat> there's that weird sort of theological um, interplay question folks ask about the invisibility of God or the invisibility of, uh, uh, of Christ in, in like functional day-to-day Christianity and part of the answer to that is like if, if there was this like very obvious constant reminder in the world uh, of like the presence of the divine then you wouldn't be seen and part of the service done part of the like the space created by an invisible presence of god is that then i get to be that person mm-hmm. and part of what good leadership ends up doing yep. is i'm i'm here for a time yeah and then it's you mm-hmm. and what i want the world to see is actually you is that moment where you like you're pointing at this woman in social media like this is what that's I want folks game to see. Right like, yeah. I'm here so that that can happen, and then when this happens, I hope to just, I hope be able to watch. Oh, just throw attention.
0: Me. I mean, it would just absolutely thrill me to work myself out of the job I currently have. Yeah. Um, I hope in 15 years that I'm leading leaders. That's what I hope. I, yeah. I have this real sense right now that I am, I'm excited to develop, um, new voices. Yeah. So that's where I hope I am.
1: Thank you for your time.
0: Oh my gosh, my pleasure. Okay. My absolute thanks for having me. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to
1: this episode of the At Sea podcast. If you'd like to follow up with Jen Hatmaker, uh, read along with her blog, check out her really, really entertaining and informative podcast, uh, or find out about the book she's currently writing, you can visit her at jenhatmaker.com. dot com. You can find me at justinmcroberts.com, and if you'd like to support the work of this podcast, you can jump to patreon.com and just search my name, Justin McRoberts. Until next time.